McGregor McGregor. Good Scottish name. He was born in 1802. He would die in 1845. He was the prince of the land of Poyas, a land that was off the coast of Honduras. And as the prince of this land, he knew how amazing the land was, how amazing the natural resources, the animal life, the fresh water, acres and acres of land. He also knew that some of the natives there were really helpful to foreigners. When you came into the land, they actually wanted to help. And he decided at one point, 1820, that he wanted this land to be open to more people. And so in 1822, he began a campaign. Now, he was selling parcels of land. He wasn't just giving it away because he also wanted to raise money for the land. But he began a very successful marketing campaign for the land of Poyas. He opened multiple offices in multiple cities, and he began selling this land. Uh, one of the things that helped is a man named Thomas Strangeways had written a book, 300 pages, that described the beauty of this land and natural landmarks and the, the army and the, the, the uh, governments and, and everything about this land. And so he'd give this book to various people. And over a short period of time, it was so successful that he raised $2 million. The first group, they actually chartered seven ships because some people didn't just invest. They were moving here. He chartered seven ships. They were able initially to fill two of them with 260 people who traveled to the land of Poyas. And when they got there, they discovered a complete wasteland. No structures, no people, no animal life, really, no food, disease. Of the 260, only 50 of them would actually make it back to London. The rest would die because the land of Poyas was a complete figment of McGregor's imagination. The book, he wrote it to describe this non-existent land. The offices, he actually hired people. And he had an office in Scotland, Glasgow, London. He opened these offices and hired people to sell this land that didn't exist. And it was so convincing that he had bankers, doctors, lawyers. He wiped out people's savings. He was even selling this to the poorest people, offering them a deal, giving them a little more for a little less, and wiping out their savings. He had come up with his own currency, had it printed, and was exchanging that currency for the money of London. The land of Poyas was not real. Tell you what though, the words of this man 
they were real. He convinced people. He brought a faith out in these people. What this guy was selling, the words were strong and they were powerful and they were effective, but they didn't have anything behind them. There was no substance. There was no truth to it. This morning, we are concluding chapter two of James and James has been talking since the beginning of this chapter, really even the last part of chapter one, about what is real faith. And last week, I left you with this idea where James comes to the ending and he says, if you are not fulfilling the royal law, loving your neighbor as yourself, if you are not showing mercy, you should not expect to receive mercy when you come to judgment. And then he goes into verse 14, and he wants to spend some time talking about faith. What does real faith look like? James does not pit faith and works. What he pits in his words are this, faith and faith alone. That's what he calls it. Faith and faith alone. We might say real faith and fake faith. Real faith or land of poyous faith. It's all words, but it has no substance to it. And he'll give us three characteristics of faith. If you want to know what real faith looks like, open your Bible to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. If you happen to have one of these black Bibles here, it is page 1012. These are the ones in the back. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. The first thing that James will say about faith. Faith is only profitable with action. Faith is only profitable with action. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers? Now, I want you to ignore. Mine says faith without works is dead. There's this little heading right there. That heading is not in the original Greek. It connects directly to what he just said. Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And he says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? From what? From the judgment up here without mercy. Right? His question is very simple. Honestly, what good is it? What profit is it? Which is why I'm using that word profitable. What profit is it if you say you have faith, but there's no works? There's no action is what that word means. Nothing is happening with the faith. Right? Earlier, what did he say? So speak and so act. What if you're just speaking? That's what he's talking about here. Faith alone. It's still tied right into what he was saying before. So speak and so act. But if there's no action, what profit is there? And he goes on to say this. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, now I'm going to say this in the way that a good Christian would say it. Go in peace. Be warmed and be filled. I am praying for you. 
And James says, that ain't worth squat. I don't care how nice your voice sounds, how pleasant you are, if you use your prayer tone, none of that matters. That doesn't mean anything. Um, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? What profit is that? What advantage do you give to them? What difference do you make? So also faith by itself, there it is, faith alone, faith by itself, poise faith, if it does not have works, is dead. It is useless. It's not worth anything. Guess what? Not only is it worthless and dead to the person who needed clothing, it's worthless and dead for you when you stand before judgment. He's still talking about the same thing. What good is faith if it has no action with it? There has to be action for faith to be profitable. This past October 1, I don't remember what the day actually was, but it was just like a week ago. Maybe it was Monday, yeah. Um, a woman named Courtney Pedigo went into an olive garden. She went in to have dinner, and she has an 18-month-old. Now, I've had three 18-month-old, and I'm going to have another 18-month-old in a while. And here's what I know, and what all parents know. When you have an 18-month-old, it is hard to do anything nice and normal. Because they're crazy. And they throw up, and they scream, and they, they wiggle everywhere, and they try and do all this stuff. And she just wanted to get away and have one normal meal. One hot, normal meal. I mean, here's what I can tell you. Every time we sit down to dinner right now, my little child wants to eat. And so my wife goes and feeds the baby and comes back and the food is cold. Every single night. This girl, Courtney, just wanted to have a hot meal. Well, her 18-month-old, uh, Harlan, was doing what 18 months old do. And she's squirming and she's screaming and she's saying hi to every single person in Olive Garden. And finally she's like, all right, this is enough. You're ruining everybody else's meal. And so she thought to herself, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna grab the food, I'm gonna get it to go in a nice little you know, styrofoam container and I'll just go eat in my car. A cold or maybe lukewarm meal in styrofoam in my car. And so she went and found the waitress. And the waitress... Niani Rudder said, no, go back to your table. And she got a scoop of ice cream, put some caramel on it, and went back to the table and took care of 18-month-old Harlan while her mom ate a hot meal. Fed him, cooed with him, wiped his face off while the mom just enjoyed a warm meal. And here is what the mom posted on Facebook. In all capital letters, I actually got to eat my food while it was still hot. And she said, girl, you'll never truly know how appreciative I am for tonight. I seriously admire you. Not only because you took the time to bribe my bratty little human with sweets so I could eat but because you are strong, 
I know your own mom is looking down from heaven with the biggest smile and, so is, and is so incredibly proud of who you are as a woman. And then Rudder, because the story came out and somebody asked her, and this is what she said for an article. I did what I would want someone to do for me if I was in that situation. Love your neighbor as yourself. People need to be more compassionate with one another. Anyone with a heart would have done the same. Love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, this does not require that we sell everything we own to have faith with action. It doesn't require, though I read an amazing story about somebody who did give up a kidney to a stranger, but it doesn't require that you give up a kidney. But can you maybe watch somebody's child so they could have a hot meal? It requires, I love how the message translates part of Romans 12. Listen to this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who deeply love. Practice playing second fiddle. Help needy people. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. Don't curse them under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they go down. Get along with each other and don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Love your neighbor as yourself. What would you want? Because James would say, faith is only profitable with action. We need the action. Guess what? If somebody doesn't have a coat, I can almost guarantee that every single person in this room has an extra one. We're supposed to give the coat, not just the prayer. When somebody needs some food, it's not enough just to go, let me pray for you and let God provide. You're God providing. Open the pantry. Because faith is only profitable with action. But number two, faith is also only seen with action. Verse 18, but someone will say, all right, I'm gonna throw up an argument, okay? He's just said it's only profitable with action, but somebody's gonna say this. You have faith and I have works. That sounds so greatly modern. Like you got your gifts, I got mine. You do your thing, I can do mine. We're all good. Don't judge me for what my thing is. It's kind of, you have faith, you have works, okay, we're all good, right? James says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And honestly, I think this is a challenge. I think James is saying, I dare you to even show me your faith apart from your works. How would you do that? How would you show me your faith is real if it has no works? It's like somebody saying, I am the most amazing mathematician in the world. We'll do some math. No. How do I know you're an amazing mathematician? I mean, I think it's, it's a challenge. It's James going, I dare you. I mean, just here, here's the floor. Show me faith without works. Show me that it's real when you have no action with it. Because faith is only seen with action. Which is why James goes on to say, and I will show you my faith by my works. I'll show you what faith is by my action. You believe that God is one, 
you do well. That is a good thing. That's important. You're commended. Great. However, and boy, this is just such a, um, an attack here. Even the demons believe and shudder. And here's what I think James just did. The demons believe that also, but at least there's action. At least their belief does something, even if it's shuddering. There's action there. Something is happening. They're not just going, I believe this, and now I'll go about my life as if it means nothing. Yes, that's good that you believe that, but my goodness, at least demons have action. Are you not even as good as demons? Demon faith is stronger than fake faith because at least there's an action to it. You cannot see faith without action. There's nothing there. There's no evidence. It's not visible. I was reading about resumes. According to most hiring firms, at least 40% of people lie decently well. I mean, they lie, lie, not just like a little, they lie on their resumes, which that's probably a low number, I mean, that's, honestly. And they lie about all kinds of things. You know, whenever there's large gaps of employment, they just extend it a little so it doesn't look like there's so much of a gap. People who want to make a little bit more money might say they made a little bit more money so that the bar is set higher. There's some big ones where people, I mean, there was a guy in this article, one of the articles I read happened to be in 2006. There was a guy who was a chief executive for Radio Shack who was up for a promotion, but apparently they were doing some more background checks. He had to resign because both the degrees he said he had, he did not have. He had a high school diploma. I mean, there's so many things on there, but here's the thing. We all know what about resumes. We try to look our best, right? You don't write a resume and go, here's all the things I can't do. Here's all the terrible reasons why you shouldn't hire me. That's not what we do. We write the best we possibly can. However, when you start putting things on that resume, like I have five years of computer programming experience and you don't, at some point when you get hired in the job and you have to actually produce, what's it going to reveal? You don't know what the heck you're doing. Those were words. That's all they are. We don't want a faith resume. We don't want to be stating a bunch of stuff about Jesus Christ. Like, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. I go to Bible studies. I read all this stuff. I memorize stuff. I do. But there's nothing behind it. Because that isn't real faith. That's land of poyous faith. That's fake faith. That faith can't save you from what James is talking about. It doesn't do anything. Faith is profitable only with action, and faith is seen only with action. There's one more thing that James wants us to see. Read the rest with me here. Verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person? Well, he's just laying into him now. I just imagine doing that from up here at the pulpit. You foolish people! I don't know if I get away with that or not. That faith apart from works is useless. The point he's going to make as he quotes these Old Testament figures is this. Faith is completed by action. It's completed by action. Was not Abraham our father justified by works 
when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar, and everybody who reads Paul right now is going, ow! Wait, that's not what Paul says. He says we're justified apart from works. I'll talk about that in just a second. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Here's what James is doing. In Genesis 15, there is already significant doubt that God is going to fulfill his promise. Abraham is old. Sarah is old. Where's this kid coming from? And God says, go look at the stars. And he looks at the stars and God says, that. Your offspring are going to look like that. And the text says, Abraham believed him. And it was credited as righteousness. However, it's chapter 22 that James says, shows, completes, that that 15 was real. Because in 22, he has to take his only son, bring him up a mountain, hold up a knife to him before God steps in. It's that action that James says completes the faith. You see, chapter 15 was the resume where he says, yes, I believe you, God. Do you really? Yes, chapter 22, I really do believe you. It completed the faith. I'm gonna come back and go back. I just wanna do Rahab here so you see it. He was called a friend of God. Verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Oh, again. James, have you read Paul? Verse 25, and in the same way was not, Ab- was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers, that's the first part, that's the resume, and sent them out by another way. That's the action. It's one thing to invite them in and say yes, and she even says, I believe your Lord is the God of heaven. But do you really? Yes, because I sent you out as I said I would, and I didn't reveal you to the army. You see, the faith was completed by the works. That's what James is getting at. Real faith is completed by action. You can't just say to somebody, go be warm and be filled. We gotta do something about it. You can't just say, I believe this or I believe that. We gotta act on it. Or it's not real faith. It's poyous faith. It's fake faith. It's faith alone, as James says. Now, here's a fascinating thing, and I, and I actually don't have the quote with me, unfortunately, um, or I'd read it to you. Luther, those of you who know this, it's going to be very quick. Luther did not like the book of James because he believed that James was too work-based and not, you know, Pauline enough for him. There's an amazing quote from Luther that could have been written by James. And it's amazing life. It's in his own preface to his commentary on the book of Romans where he talks about faith it fills you, invigorates you with the desire to do works. And you can't help but do works when you're filled with faith. Here's what I believe is going on. Number one, Paul wrote after James, just so you know that. He didn't read Paul. Paul wasn't even written yet. And when Paul speaks of justification, he is narrowing in on our relationship to God in that moment when you are justified. 
when you stand in that moment before God. It's his major idea throughout his writings. That's not where James is focused on with justification. You see, we've been talking about the end. James, when he uses justification, I think James would come along and say, well, absolutely you stand initially before God because of your faith. But James would say this, you wanna be justified in the end? That faith better do something. Otherwise, it's not real faith. And if you think fake faith can save you, you're in for a serious wake-up call when you get to the end. That faith better be completed by the works that the faith itself says it believes. Otherwise, it's not real. You don't believe those things if you're not really doing them. It is nothing more than you making up stuff on a resume. They both talk about justification, but they're not talking about the same point in time and they're not talking about the same issue. They're dealing with different issues. But I guarantee you both of them would, uh, would agree that works are central because Ephesians 2, where Paul talks about being saved by grace alone, verse 10 is, so that what? You do the works that God prepared for you beforehand. You know what he says when he writes to Titus? You were saved in order to do good works. There is no conflict between these two unless we force the conflict. So his point is, faith is completed by works. Um, every Saturday morning, I get donuts for my kids. It's kind of my good dad deed. My kids love it, of course, because they're donuts. And one of my children, my oldest boy, he gets up every morning at the crack of crack Thank you, Kimberly, for that. I mean, before everybody else is up, he's up. And so I get up to go do donuts, and like, hey, you wanna come with me? And it's kind of our little bonding time. We go get donuts together. Well, two weeks ago, I got donuts late, so he was awake, his brother was awake, they're on the couch, and they're playing iPads. And I put my shoes on, I'm like, all right, boys, you ready to go get some donuts? Uh, yeah, you go ahead, Dad. Uh, no. You ready to get some donuts? Go get our donuts. And I'm not kidding you. He says, Dad, we're doing something really important here. <laughs> and I think you're building a digital world with little colored blocks that look like an Atari game. Seriously, your highness, you're doing something too important? And I'm like, no, we need to go get donuts. And then my youngest who's sitting right back over there, he goes, oh, Dad, you could take care of that for us. We'll keep doing this. So I took my shoes off and went back to doing what I was doing. And about 20 minutes later, one of them happens to notice, I don't know why, maybe the iPad messed up. Um, hey, where are the donuts? Uh, they're at the store. I didn't go get them. Why did you go get donuts? Why don't you come with me to get donuts? Well, because you can get the donuts. Let me ask you something. Do you really want donuts? Then come with me and show me that you actually want donuts. Amazingly enough, they both put their shoes on and came with me because they have faith in donuts. And they completed that faith by putting down the iPads and making that terrible, awful trip to the store with dad to get donuts. Faith is completed with our action. And without our action, it's not real. 
Gregor McGregor, once people started dying, um, you, you might imagine had to go on the run. So he went to France. And you know what he did in France? Same thing. He started selling the land of Poyas again. But the difference between France and England at the time is France was a little more concerned about writing all of these visas for people to go to another country, especially when they couldn't find the country. And he got arrested. He went through two trials, but for whatever reason, they couldn't convict him of much, and so they ended up letting him go, but he had to leave France. Guess what he did? He went back to London, opened an office, and started selling again. This guy had amazing faith in the land of Poyas. Now, some of those folks who were left found out about it, came after him. He ended up taking off. Um, he would die in Venezuela. Um, but you know what? Today, you want to go home right now and look up the Republic of Poyas. There's a website, republicofpoyas.org. It looks pretty nice. You can get the history. You can apply for citizenship if you want to. Contact. But watch the video. The video is awesome because they pick up right where McGregor left off. And they offer you the ability to be the master of your own fate by coming to our land. I mean, all these ridiculous things. Now, it starts off sounding very normal, but it's still there. Lots and lots and lots of people fell for this. Really smart people fell for this. I have a warning for you. In a way, I hate to end on this, but James is, this is what he's doing. You will not fool God with your faith. When it comes to the end, I don't care how many books you've written, how many Bible studies you've gone through, how many times you've prayed. If your faith isn't completed by your action, you won't fool him. He's not gonna buy it. Nobody will get away with it. Faith is only profitable with action. It is only seen with action. It is only completed by action. And James has spent an entire chapter trying to get us to see that. And again, I'm not telling you you have to go sell everything you own. I'm not telling you you have to drop everything and run off to the mission field for the rest of your life. Now, if God tells you that, you need to do it. I'm telling you that our faith has to be lived or it's not faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for your unending, never stopping, merciful, grace-filled love for us. Thank you for the sacrifice of your Son for us. Lord, help us to understand. Help it to sink into our hearts and to our minds, down into our very souls that we are called to live our faith, not just believe. Lord, help us to be like your son, 
who constantly went out of his way to minister to people, to sacrifice for people, to love them. Lord, let us be those people, not so caught up in ourselves and our schedules and our plans that we can't see need. We can't see people right in front of us and all around us who need to be loved and cared for, who need mercy. Help us to love our neighbor as ourself because you have done so much for us and still do. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.